This is the Voice Podcast Network. Welcome to Post Pitch, a bi-weekly podcast that dives a little deeper into an article published in this week's print issue of the Georgetown Voice. Today, I'm interviewing our writer, Brandon Wu, to learn more about the editorial board's piece on voting. Please enjoy. Welcome, Brandon. Thank you, Romy. I'm so happy to have you on Post Pitch um, to t- talk about the Ed Board's article. Here on the hilltop at Georgetown, we're constantly surrounded by politics. It's in our courses, our clubs, even conversations at lunch and late at night. But I feel like in my social groups, no one knows what to make of the current political situation. And a lot of us are feeling pretty hopeless. But your article comes into play perfectly here. So would you introduce it and yourself to our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Brandon. I am a senior in the SFS majoring in international political economy, and um, I'm, I guess, a staff contributor for The Voice, specifically for the Ed Board. And so our piece um, this week is specifically about the power of voting in local elections and why it can still have a meaningful impact. I think for me, what I've found is a lot of the times it can feel really, really exhausting to focus on these big national issues where it feels like, you know, Congress, the president, can't act or won't act. And so what I think is really powerful when we were kind of thinking about writing the article at our Ed Board meeting was thinking through ways that young people have agency and young people have the ability to really make their voices heard on issues that matter. And I think what I found is that, you know, we've got primary elections coming up. So picking, you know, the best Democrat, for instance, or best Republican, per se, um, in our upcoming general elections, um, and also thinking through local ballot initiatives, nonpartisan races that are lower on the ballot. Those are all like very low turnout elections. And traditionally, the folks who are voting for those um, races are generally older, richer, and honestly, disproportionately more white. And I think that what is so powerful is that young people casting a ballot in those races specifically means that we can advance change on not only those local issues, but even potentially have the ability to influence change on a national or international level. Um, We recently saw that in Chicago and in Minneapolis, um, their councils, their city councils passed resolutions specifically on calling for a ceasefire and calling for um, a reduction, like, not providing aid to Israel, as far as I'm aware. And I think that those really are ways where we can make our voices heard. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, a lot of people have been disillusioned with the system, but your article reminds us that there's a lot more at stake than just the presidential elections. Mm -hmm. I'm in a campaign journalism class, and we just wrapped up an assignment where we were sent out into Virginia to interview potential voters. And I was kind of interviewing senior citizens, and I realized that the attitude of you know hopelessness and disillusionment wasn't restricted to just our generation. You know, they even looked at me and they were like, "You're in for a rough ride." And I was like, "Believe me, I know." Um, so, what do you make of this, like, for all of our population, and what do you feel like is at stake for our future? Yeah, that is a really great question. I think obviously a lot is at stake in this upcoming election. It's not just the presidency, the House, and the Senate, but it's governor races. It's a number of local elections, even all the way down to your local school board. We're seeing that organizations and groups like Moms for Liberty are funneling hundreds of thousands, even millions of dollars in these races where they're aimed to make LGBTQ students feel less welcome, banning books that talk about race and history, um, advocating for efforts on the local and state level that really push marginalized groups further out. And I think that, especially for young people, the way that we get our issues 
front and center and at the forefront is by making our voices heard to the officials, the elected officials and the candidates who are running in November. Um, I also think when I when I hear about your, I guess, story about interviewing senior citizens, I also think back to um, some of the experiences I had talking to Virginia voters last year. Um, I had the great fortune to go to Virginia Beach, knock doors with Georgetown's College Dems chapter, and we had um, so many conversations with veterans, with young people, with folks who are you know in their second or third job, and all of them expressed this dissatisfaction and this disconnect between yeah. our elected officials, our politics, and the actual issues they're facing. But I think. When you run kind of a forward-focusing campaign where you're like, here are the exact, you know, policy platforms that I'm going to advocate for and get done when I'm elected, I think that those are really the most meaningful and those are the ones that we should be investing our time and energy in. And I think oftentimes we'll see that happen more so at the local and state level compared to nationally, right? Because a lot of the times the rhetoric in the House, the Senate, and for the presidency is vote to stop X, Y, and Z from happening. Whereas I think a lot of the times what we, especially as young people are looking for is a reason to vote, like an affirmative positive reason, yeah. as opposed to like voting in, the, in a quote unquote between two evil situation. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And why do you think the Ed Board picked now to publish this piece? I mean, has it been in the works for a while? You know, why not wait until November? What kind of motivated you guys to, to publish it now? Absolutely. I think, first of all, there's a lot of good urgency around primaries. And I think those are elections that a lot of folks just don't know about. Like, I've personally talked to a few folks who have been like, oh, yeah, I have a primary election coming up and I would have normally voted for it if I was home. But now that I'm at Georgetown, getting a ballot is difficult, I think. From um, our piece, 11 states between now and the end of the semester will have um, a primary election. Mm -hmm. And those primary elections are critical in terms of making sure that, you know, I feel like a lot of the times folks who live in blue states or progressive states will say, well, my vote doesn't matter, right? But at the end of the day, when you look at these local and um, regional state level races, whether it's for state assembly or state house or state senate or even like even down to like your county commissioner's court, um, a lot of the times the folks, the Democrats that were advancing in November are ones who have been in office for 30 years, are the yeah. ones who take hundreds of thousands of dollars from corporations and special interests, who are in power because they wanted to be in politics their whole life, right? And those are not the folks who are putting our communities first, historically and in the present. So I think the reason why the Ad Board found this piece to be so incredibly relevant now is because there are so many meaningful elections that are happening between now and May that we need to make sure that folks are you know, learning about, are voting in, requesting their ballot for, and just making sure that like they're staying invested and connected to local communities. Because I feel like in DC, it's really easy to get sucked into not only the Georgetown bubble, but like the DC political bubble. And remembering the places that you call home and the issues that are affecting your communities at home are super important. Absolutely. I think that all of us here, you know, very much forward focused, and we're thinking about how we want to change the world in our future careers. But like really, it does start you know, in very small motions and it starts at home with with voting especially. My last question is just, did anything get cut in the process of editing this article that you really wanted to, you know, to say or to get the message out there? Yeah, that's a great question. I think our piece focuses a lot on, for instance, the local, state and international level, um, like change that can happen on those three levels as a result of voting in local elections. But I think even 
on a more specific scale, we've seen so much happen. I think our peace sites, you know, in November of 2023, we saw that progressive district attorneys were reelected here in Virginia, that school boards flipped in Pennsylvania, that all were advancing progressive causes, making sure that, you know, we aren't, um, I guess, furthering the carceral system, making criminal justice reforms, um, like preventing the repeal of those reforms. Um, But I also think something else that, you know, given the limited word count of the piece that I would touch on is the fact that, you know, there's a lot, I think to kind of expand on something, I guess this in the piece, we talk about how we can build a bench and also we can mobilize or energize like a grassroots power base. And I think that's something that's so important that, you know, when we complain that oh, every year, every two years, our candidates for House, our candidates for Senate, and our candidates for the presidency are older than the age of 60, are disproportionately white and disproportionately wealthy, right? And I feel like the way that we address that is by looking, you know, going all the way to the bottom of our ballot, looking at, you know, these young people, people of color, LGBTQ plus folks, people of these marginalized identities who are stepping up to run and elevating them into these, like, first elected offices so that we can build that bench so that five years down the road, 10 years down the road, 15 years down the road, we have folks who can then run for those higher offices that look like us and care about us and will fight for us in those positions. And at the same time, whenever you like elect these local candidates um, or whenever you're organizing for these local candidates and getting you know these people who are traditionally thought of as um, low propensity voter, like voters who traditionally only turn out in the general election. When you energize those folks in March, April, or May, it means that you can then take that energy and use it later on. That's that like grassroots um, power base that we're kind of talking about, right? Energizing them so that we can advocate together and build solidarity on a number of different issues, whether that's increasing union power, whether that's fighting for um, stronger environmental standards against the climate crisis. Just a number of different intersectional issues where it feels like right now, a lot of the times advocacy efforts are siloed, right? Like you've got folks who care about reproductive rights, you've got folks who care about gun violence prevention, but there isn't a lot of crossover. Mm -hmm. Whenever you do that local activism and you, you know, organize communities for these down ballot positions, you build that coalition that can show up for all these different causes. And I think that makes every single movement stronger. Yeah, it's powerful. And then one day we won't have to be picking between two evils. We'll be picking between people that actually represent us. 100%. Amazing. Well, Brandon, thank you so much for joining us on Post Pitch and sharing this very important message. To our listeners, make sure to check out the Ed Board's article in this week's issue of The Voice and check out the rest of our podcasts on georgetownvoice.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you, Brandon. Thank you.